Hey fantasy fans, it's your dungeon manager Jamie Wolfel here with another Swords and Satire mini episode. This week we're going to try another format for the mini episodes. Instead of the can you roleplay it episodes we've been doing, we decided that we would actually start expanding one of our beloved segments, Rewriting History. So, without further ado, let me introduce my co-host. On my right, it's me, Jack Olander, here to come up with the way things they could have been, perhaps in another life. In a better life? In a better life. A more wolfy life. But more <laughs> on that to come. All right. And to my left. Uh, it's Chelsea Hollowell here, a creative imagine person. <laughs> Nice. I um, so you're not actually here. We're imagining you. Exactly. No, I can't be an imagineer, right? Because that's. Oh, oh, oh I, I hear a mouse coming. <laughs> a big fucking mouse. There's already one in our living room. It's it's probably got a listening device inside of it. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> the the. the uh... <laughs> And that thing is totes cursed. I'm sure. The people in charge, if you know what I mean, of all of. Uh, media, and by that I mean Disney. Oh, I mean Disney. <laughs> Don't want to hear that bullshit. They've they're already getting that damn subscription money for me for Disney Plus from the series of Disney movies we did a few months ago. That's true. Aha, uh -huh. Jamie, you should be a little a little safer with those with those those slanderous words. Uh, we we love Disney Plus so much. Uh -huh. Ha -ha. <laughs> Thanks for all the cool movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, thank you for, uh, let me check my notes here, The Princess and the Frog, the last good Disney movie. So what's the movie that we watched last week, Jamie? I don't know. It's been over a week. How am I supposed to remember these things? <laughs> oh, right. I have it here next to that uh, last note. Red Riding Hood? Mm -hmm. from 2011 starring Amanda Seyfried, Virginia Madsen, Billy Burke, Gary Oldman, Max Irons, Shiloh Fernandez. Yeah. Directed by Catherine Hardwick, director of the first Twilight movie, I believe. Yes. Was she also the director of the second Twilight movie, Jack? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I just know that you were a teenager when the Twilight movies were coming out, so... Yes. Indeed, I was. But I appreciate them much more as an adult than I did at the time. Really? <laughs> oh, yes. How? <laughs> you have to have an IQ of at least 40,000 to understand the Twilight movies. And to know that the director just wanted to see attractive teens making out. Well, we know that is true. Oh, yeah, that's creepy. We know that is true since we found out that for the production of Red Riding Hood, or should I say the casting of Red Riding Hood, she asked, requested Amanda Seyfried to make out with a bunch of guys that she was consider that that the director was considering for the role of the love interest, Peter, Peter. which I found troubling, yeah. I think is the right word, upsetting, perhaps. 
it's very troubling. It's uh, it's coercive because if the actress wanted to kind of keep the role, I guess she might have felt coerced into complying. Yeah, that was a tough one for me. Yeah. It certainly seems like something you'd want your romantic actors to be good at, you know, making out on camera. But <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess there you you're not wrong. I mean, in Hollywood films, people are often asked to perform very intimate acts together in front of a large group of production team or a, a large production team and, you know, I mean, I I've read many accounts of doing love and sex scenes in films that are incredibly awkward for everyone involved. Yes, I mean, that might only be for one or two scenes, though, and if she's having her make out with a ton of dudes before they begin production, like, maybe just, you know, have her try to flirt with these men and see if they have chemistry. That might be a better way to see if there's anything there without actually kind of using that same level of coercion. I think the director wanted to see the goods. <laughs> yeah, I guess I I don't know enough of the information, but I don't think it helps that I imagine Catherine Hardwick rubbing her hands together like a corny villain and just going, <laughs> yes, yes, just like this. Now lean Perfect. your head back. Oh yep. God! I know. Are we are we directing porn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Write that down. Well, you know what this movie really needed? What? It needed a pop rock song that they could play three or four times, like the Sorcerer's Apprentice with "Secrets" by One I knew Republic. I knew exactly. I knew yeah. exactly where you were going with that. Just like every makeout scene, or just every time they cast like a longing glance at each other, it just starts playing the chorus loudly. Exactly. You, you know what? Okay, so I feel like what you just said is the perfect. It's like as part of what we're doing here. So let's spitball some song options from 2011 that could have been the makeout theme for Red Riding Hood. So yeah, Jack, like who would who would be singing the song? Would it be like a Taylor Swift or Oh, definitely. Yeah. Maybe like a like a Kesha maybe, like kind of break it up or maybe something a little more mm, Yeah. It could be like... a Taylor Swift song, but they'd have to break up, you know? It kind of sets up that sinister it's not going to go well relationship sort of thing. Oh, maybe that's a maybe that's a good idea, kind of a meta thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Could be Katy Perry, too. Oh, yeah. I guess, now, I will say that in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, it was kind of like a rock thing. Like, the song was kind of a rock, like a pop rock song, so maybe like a Maroon 5 type of Ooh, yeah. deal. That's good. That's really good. Maroon 5 would have killed it. Okay. Okay, so, so I, I think we... Maybe we'll pick that one. So I, I think, yeah, we're... <laughs> We're gonna say we're gonna get Maroon Five to do the theme from uh, Red Riding Hood. What's the name of this song? I I'm longing for you. <laughs> not I, like not I, like I howl at the moon for your love. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Which, then we want to lean into the wolfy part. Like, yeah. 
Something about like, yeah, Howling at the Moon is good. I mean, obviously you can't be Bark at the Moon because Ozzy's already Dude. done that. Oh, Unless wait, that would actually... That's our song. That would actually... Uh, I've got one that would be very thematic for the director. All right? Okay. Because she directed the first Twilight movie, at least. And in that movie, there's a scene where the vampires are playing baseball and supermassive black hole... <laughs> by muse is playing in the background this super bass boosted you know yeah. emo rock song right okay got it got it yeah yeah so howlin for you by the black keys has a very similar tone to it and it has a wolf Perfect. pun in the name nailed it i love it all right, let's get... That's uh, perfect. Who did you say that the song black with? Keys. Black, black Keys. The Black Keys. Let's get the Black Keys on the phone for this. Um... Wait, is that right? <laughs> oh, it's right, but they broke up, so it's going to be a pretty awkward phone call. Well, no, no. So we'll get them on the phone for 2010 when we're remaking this That movie. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have time machines for this kind of work. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, we're remaking the movie for 2021. We will get the Black Keys to reunite to make the song, of course. Yes. Duh. So should we kind of give people a few key points about the movie to remind them about what was going on? No, I mean, that seems like a little bit too much work, but if you want to, you could maybe, like, come up with a summary? No, I'm not going to do that. I, I did it once. You, you Never again. Um, <laughs> you have to listen to our main episode if you want a more in-depth summary. What I'm going to do... Very in-depth summary. Is just remind you, and... um. So, as a way to kind of train you to listen to the previous episode. <laughs> Smart. Little subliminal messaging underneath the track. Listen to the last episode. Listen to every episode. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and become a member. Yes. Okay. So, we have this unnamed town being... We'll call it town. <laughs> Forest town being besieged by a werewolf for decades and um we have a love triangle between valerie and her childhood friend peter and then her betrothed henry who's a real hunk yeah kind of a sweetheart too. a real yeah. great guy yeah exactly and peter is the edgy goth emo kid I was about to say, remind me why she liked Peter, but I think you actually just kind of summed it up right there. Exactly. So. <laughs> she likes to live life on the edge a little bit. You know what they say, date a Peter, but marry a Henry. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a perfect description, except she actually does marry the Pete. Oh, yeah. So there was a witch hunt. Witch hunt? Uh, led by Father Solomon, who was played by Gary Oldman. Um, as a younger man than he is now as an older man. Exactly. Uh, I don't want our listeners to forget about that awesome, wild, pagan rave scene when the town was celebrating the death of the werewolf. The greatest <laughs> scene in the history of cinema. I don't think it's overstating to say that. Yes. <laughs> 
And then it, um, in the end, it turned out that Valerie's father was the werewolf, and she is kind of like part werewolf. She can understand werewolves when they're speaking in wolf form. She's werewolf kin. Exactly. She is kind of, she has this late, latent werewolf genetics, and um, she can become a werewolf. What big ears she has. <laughs> And after she and Peter kill her father, Peter ends up turning into a werewolf. And later on, he and Valerie still end up getting together. <clears throat> so those are some of like the main points we want you all to remember as we go into our rewriting history. Succinct. You know, I, I've been thinking, like, what? And this just came to me. What the heck do we even do in rewriting history? Oh. Jack, I'm so glad you asked what we actually do in rewriting history for people who might not remember, even though they've listened to every single episode of the show. In rewriting history, we take the movie that we watched for the main episode, and then we come up with our version of a sequel, a reboot, a spinoff, or sometimes a crossover, or even sometimes beyond that, we combine these things or mix and match as we see fit because we can do that through the power of podcasting. Sweet. Reality is whatever I want it to be. And guys, I'm thinking that what this movie needs is just a little bit of a reboot that fixes some of the themes and the thematic disconnect of Valerie's character. I think we need to just create the version of Red Riding Hood where Valerie decides to join her father in wolfdom. Uh, I agree. A lot of the movie could be the same, except you would be basically changing the second half. Basically, act one, the same. Most of act two, the same. Then, right, maybe the first time the wolf offers her to join him, she is initially kind of put off, like, oh, no, no. Like, but, like, she's got that glint in her eyes, right? Like, oh, this is, like, this is what I've wanted my whole life. Dare I take the opportunity to do what I've always wanted? No, no, no. I still have, like, some concept of social mores right. and decency, like, you know, human decency. I can't. But then, the second time, after she's seen the cruelty that goes on in the town, right. after she sees her friend's brother killed, after she sees father solomon's cruelty we really like lean into this theme of the upper class who doesn't believe that they are subject to the same rules she decides you know what fuck society people here have only rejected me they worship this father solomon who's a total piece of shit who just wants to torture them and subjugate them i am going to follow the wolf and maybe at this point she doesn't know she has lycanthropic lineage yet. And we can kind of reveal that as time goes. Yeah. And, and I, maybe flashback to the hints, like the the rabbit and like the other things that she's done, her, her attitudes and stuff about individuality and, and all that. Yeah. And I, in this version, I would like her to confide in Peter that she was confronted by the wolf and that she could talk to it. And see how he reacts. And uh, they're very loyal to each other. They trust each other implicitly. So I think that she would confide in him. Now, how does he react in our version? 
I think that at first he's astonished and worried for her. But then she talks about all of the things that are going on in the town and kind of fantasizes with him that, like, if we had this kind of power, and she's including Peter in this, like, if we had this kind of power, imagine what we could do to save the town from Father Solomon and his men. And so she already, we get to see that she's having plans to uh, change Peter, too. And, like, that's how she starts to spread the idea of starting this werewolf cult in the town yes yeah. the cult of the wolf and then the friend that ends up standing up for her later in the movie like her true loyal friend that she danced with before not the one that betrayed her yeah right the good friend not the bad one <laughs> she starts talking to her about like being able to defend the town and not have to live in fear all the time and she starts indoctrinating people into this wolf doesn't it really seem like father solomon's almost worse than the wolf attacks honestly kind of does (laughs) see she's she's using reality and compelling arguments yeah she's building a case and so the next time the wolf knight comes along she actually takes Peter and some of the followers of these ideas and they go out into the woods waiting for the wolf and he shows up to their fireplace or whatever. Maybe they start a campfire and it's like Well yeah, a lot him. of singing and it's dancing. Like, it's like a yeah, they're reveling, it's like a beacon to call him in. And um she talks to him on their behalf and says that there's all these people here that want to join them. And he realizes if he has a pack, they'll be that much stronger to a wolf pack. Yeah, to control their territory and withstand the threat of people who want to do them harm, like Father Solomon, and the people that would harm their town because they rely on the townspeople to give them tribute. So they'd want to protect them. They'd feel like they're part of their territory. So in our version, the werewolf would not be attacking the townspeople now that they have a truce. I think that he would be territorial of them. So we take out the stuff with the sister and the adultery with right. Valerie's mom and dad and all that. Mm-hmm. Keep the dad as the werewolf, maybe. Right. Because that will really build their connection between Valerie and Cesar after she becomes a wolf. I thought it would have been pretty sick if the dad on that night realized that Lucy wasn't his daughter. And then reverted back to human form and kind of offered to have her join his family a little more biologically officially. Oh. And turned her into a werewolf as well. And she was the first one. Okay. It would make more sense because he's raised her since an infant. He would have since an emotional... Since she was a cub. Yes, he would have an emotional bond to her. He would see her as his daughter. Okay. Yeah, and then... If that happened, I could see him kind of extending it to Henry as well. And just being like, oh, you know, it's a little indirect, but he's my daughter's brother. So I'll I'll offer him as well. And Henry seems like the kind of guy who'd turn it down and be a little shaken to his core. But when more of the main cast is kind of like, this is how we stop Solomon, right? And we fight for our village. He'll be like, I'll do it for you guys. Yeah. Right? And so they start yeah. a pack together. Yeah, that's great. And I imagine on kind of like the third night, because there are three Blood Mm -hmm. Moon nights, Solomon kind of sees how many people have turned to werewolves, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're kind of 
cornering him, chasing him down, hunting him, and he knows he's screwed. And so he eventually escapes and is cornered into his own iron elephant, right? And he has to keep him, and he's trying to hide inside. He thinks it's impenetrable. And then, you know, of course, he gets a taste of his own medicine, and they light the fire underneath. Oh, nice. Brutal. I love it. Yeah. And then the one chick lights the fire, like the fire dancing poles on the fire and is doing the spinning and they're they partying. They're party. <laughs> Ding dong, the dick is dead. If one rave scene makes the movie, two rave scenes elevates it to fucking next tier. Oh, dude. The werewolves, just the giant wolves standing on their back paws with their front paws up in the air doing dances. (laughs) (laughs) They were huge wolves, too. They were, like, the size of a horse. Yeah, like dire wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I love this rewrite. I think it really, like, fills out the themes better and completes the arcs of the characters in a much more satisfying way. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you really want to keep the series going, uh, you know, I, I thought it could go one of two ways, right? Hmm. One of the possible endings is uh, the two brothers, Grimm, Matt Damon and Heath Ledger show up to the town. Oh, crossover. I love it. Yeah. And they're just like, I wonder whatever happened to our sometimes co-worker Solomon. <laughs> this was his last known location, right? Yeah. 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 I think that would be a good timeline. I like it. I'd like to see that one. So, guys, before we get into talking about a sequel too much, I wanted to revisit some of our ideas to just make sure that we really describe them for people and explore what these things would be like so one of them is that yeah paint is a word picture chelsea (laughs) one of them is the second rave scene that we mentioned that would be in the forest when they're having when the youngs are having the youths are having a party in the forest waiting for the wolf to come yeah this is the piece de la resistance of our rewrite so how would the youth rave scene be different from the one where everyone in the town was participating Oh man, I don't know. I, I I feel like it would be cinematographically almost identical. Well, it's in the forest this time. I I know, but like I And they feel, have a bonfire going. Sure, but like some of the best parts of the original rave scene were like seeing like the old guy that Valerie steals a beer from to drink to get up the courage to go lesbian dance with her friend to try to make peter jealous and instead just make him horny so what you're saying is that it will be kind of like a kager but medieval style well yes i mean that's exactly what i'm getting at it needs to be a medieval kager to have tons of equally wacky things there like i'd like to see a trapeze artist swinging between trees nice okay now first things first so if you if we're doing Cine, um, if we're doing movie shorthand for keggers, everyone's pulled up their carriages and horses, and that's their drinking around like a truck bed gate on a carriage, just like the the, the little luggage, f- uh, 
compartment that's kind of like open in the back. Yeah, but like just that that flap that comes down. I'm I'm at a loss for so words like right now. So like the luggage. Oh, a door. Like a tailgate. It's a tailgate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a but tailgate. But it's on a carriage, so it's just like an open compartment, and they just like let down a flap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like a pickup truck. Kind would of. Be. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just a covered <laughs> wagon without a cover, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's like horses kind of like tied to trees that are hanging out. And maybe some of the horses are like, they have like cool, like hand done, not like paint jobs, but like, yeah, like, like, you know, in some movies you've seen horses that have like, uh, like fur paint on them. Yeah. So some of them are like tricked out with sweet, like decals. And like, maybe somebody's got like the horse with a phoenix painted on the side of it. <laughs> oh my God. Nice. Yeah, and um, you have to have some of the youths of the town who are, like, playing instruments. Oh, yeah, very important. Like a, a garage band, but, like, of bards. Exactly. Like, with lutes and dulcimers and hand oh, drums and stuff. And they're oh, yeah. playing... They're playing, like, medieval versions of EDM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, there would be more drugs uh, as well as alcohol with this group like they would have the alcohol somebody's brought a keg from the town but uh, maybe Valerie brings mushrooms that she stole from her grandmother's house or something oh yeah everyone in town knows that Valerie's grandma has the best stash <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly like why even live on the outskirts of town if you're not going to have the best stash exactly and then all those spikes in the trees to protect. The I already staff. mentioned that her grandmother is just getting high in the forest all the time. So. Yeah, so this totally fits the fiction of this world already. Yeah. So, what is like the medieval equivalent of like a letter jacket? Like, I guess people were wearing their tabards yeah. from from the from the medieval jousts and and all that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, um, tabards of their family crest or their house or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, they must have gotten really wealthy after becoming wolves. Well, this is before they become wolves. Oh, yes. There are some wealthier people in the town, so it would be, like, the teenagers from the wealthy houses well, that have that. So, like, Henry Henry has the anvil and hammer on his oh, tabard. Nice, like yeah. I like that, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. And um, maybe Peter has brought a stag to uh, roast. Okay, write some venison, yeah. Yeah, to roast. And it's just like a crazy dance scene ensues. That'd be so cool. how are we upping the ante with the dancing? Like, I'm thinking fire jumping, like through the bonfire. I'm thinking more fire twirling. Mostly I'm upping the ante with a lot of fire. Dude, she yeah. already walked across hot coals. In the other rave scene. So jumping through the bonfire is like the perfect yeah. escalation of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing shots of pure lava. <laughs> you would have more couples going off to have sex, just kind of like multiplying that. <laughs> just like having someone bull wrestling, like a like a matador there. <laughs> oh, you could have like a mini fight club though. Oh yeah. Like, once everybody's getting drunk, you could have, like, a fighting ring, and they would be egging them Dude, on the and kids stuff. of this town got way more hardcore when they got alone. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at how much look at how much they're allowed to cut loose within the bounds of society. Yeah. Like to they have to be that much crazier when they're not having to hold back. We tied Rutherford to a bear and sent him off into the woods. Get pranked, Rutherford. <laughs> what if that's one of them but like tied to a horse and dragged, but like they're doing it for fun, like jackass style? Oh my god. <laughs> Privy, check out this sick stunt. <laughs> nice. I assume that's the medieval version of like skateboarding. It's being dragged by a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. So they're creating such a big commotion that this is when the wolf comes upon them, like we mentioned before. Right. Maybe some of the kids run away, but some of the kids that Valerie's been talking to, like we said, end up staying and becoming a werewolf and forming the pack. Now, I just have to say, Chelsea, you are really breaking my suspension of disbelief. You expect me to believe that in the middle of a major crisis that's affecting everybody, that people would just spit in the face of safety protocols and have a giant gathering that just seems to draw the danger to it as if they wouldn't listen to all the smarter, more informed people who are telling them how dangerous it is to gather together like this. I just can't believe that would ever happen. Yeah, you're right. That would never really happen. Hey, Peter, are you going to the Blood Moon Bash? Nah. I was just going to go cry at my reflection in a pool. Oh, well, I heard Valerie's going to be there. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I guess I might stop by. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And this would be like really leaning into the teen drama of the movie that we identified before. Yes. I mean, that is really, like, if anything, this movie failed by not just being an overt teen drama in a medieval setting. Yeah. Like, we, we needed, like, more ways to identify which medieval teens were the jocks and which medieval teens were the nerds and which medieval teens were the freaks exactly. and the skaters and, all, and the stoners and all that. Like, we needed more ways to code these medieval teens yeah oh dude i was trying to imagine what would happen in like a typical teen movie like if the monster attacked and people had to get away some of the teens like hop on a horse trying to like drunk ride out of the scene and the horse <laughs> just kind of like swerves and crashes into a tree and i imagined it crumpling like a car like aluminum foil the front of the horse oh god <laughs> Just the most awful thing. That's terrible. The sound of metal hitting wood. Oh. Just bones and leather scra scraping and crashing. Blood, gasoline, bone and wires everywhere. Guys, guys, legit question. Do we need to create like a medieval teen comic? I think that would be amazing. Oh, Holy shit. Sick. Like Jack every time I'm described every nice. second that we're describing this, I'm like, like what's it called? Like medieval high? <laughs> it could work. Yeah. Holy shit, that sounds like just describing the scene, it sounds amazing. Yeah. So after this, they form the wolf 
cult, like we mentioned. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of this group. What is it like? Furry. <laughs> well, so like they have an alpha, which is going to be Valerie's father. Well, hold on. Now, can we start with some physical descriptions? I think they should have large eyes, better to see you with, large ears, better to hear you with, and large teeth. Better to eat you with. Exactly. <laughs> Bigger muscles, better to sweep you off your feet with. Oh, God. Big eyes, better <laughs> to stare into. <laughs> so, besides the uh, alpha wolf, wolf, which is, wolf, which is Cesar, Valerie's father, you would have, like, the dominant wolves that are just below his rank. I mean, you know, technically there's no such thing as, uh, or technically our understanding of alpha pack animals is uh, incredibly misguided. And uh, <laughs> that's a thing. I mean, just ask Mickey. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so do you think that um, they would start wearing more furs around so, as like a cinematographic or as film shorthand for the audience, like whoever's in the pack, so we can keep track. Oh, yeah, probably. That that would be pretty helpful. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of makes sense, too, right? Like, that becomes, like, their version of cool leather jackets and skin-tight jeans. Yeah. Like combs in the back of their uh, I mean, they do pantaloons. Start, they do start wearing more leather, for sure, but it's also lined with fur, from maybe from their kills, whatever they can salvage, that they haven't just torn to shreds. Oh, God, it's just, like, disgusting, blood-soaked fur. Well, they would clean it when they're in human form. Oh, <laughs> dude, from old, uh, from old Germanic folklore, werewolves used to get belts made out of leather that would turn them into their wolf form. So the wolf cult could use leather belts to signify each other. Hell yeah, that's a great idea. But I mean, yeah. isn't everyone wearing leather belts in this? Like a specific cool stylized one that might have like a moon etched into the leather or something. I was yeah. gonna say, what if it's just a furry belt? A fuzzy, a fuzzy wolf fur belt? Yeah, like the ones they used to sell at Hot Topic. I mean, it really leans into this Hot Topic aesthetic of like Peter and everything already. That's true. That makes and they, sense. They can have belt buckles that Henry would make because he's the blacksmith's oh, son. Perfect. And they would all be like different wolves' heads that would match like how they each look because they would each look kind of unique in wolf form. Yeah, so. that's cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm going to call up the CGI department to get them working on that right now. Okay. <laughs> nice. So I guess we could go into some of our ideas for possible sequels to the rewrite that we've been discussing. Jack, you already brought up one with the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, so I was thinking about that, right? I was thinking that the brothers, Jake and the other one, right? Wilhelm. Yeah, that guy. Jake and Wilhelm, right? Yeah. They stopped by the city that Cesar references he wanted to run away to that was relatively close by. Yes. Yes. So Jake and Wilhelm go there, and they're kind of following leads, right? And they, uh, they're they traveling with their lady friend, whose name escapes me, the one from Game of Thrones. It's been a while. Oh, uh, Lena Headey's character? Yes. I don't remember what she's called in the movie, but yeah. Yes. They travel with her to the village, right? And they're kind of going around, investigating, kind of asking around, but they're kind of getting Innsmouth vibes, right? Where okay. 
Valerie, Peter, Henry, all the cast are in Cesar kind of giving them the cold shoulder. And they're like, oh, mind if we spend the night? And they're like, you know, we got no room for you. Right. Kind of stuff like that. They're trying yeah. to shove off. Jake and Wilhelm have kind of a reputation, right? Especially after killing a witch. So the town kind of shoves them off. Right. And yeah. they're very suspicious. So they decide to camp outside a little ways away from the town. And they're kind of taking turns keeping watch in camp, right? Oh, so they're spying on the townsfolk and trying to investigate what's going on there? Yes. But the the woman who is their guide, right? Their friend. She was a hunter and her father was a werewolf as well, if you'll recall that. Right. That's correct. So she is used to the signs, right? And she's very alert. And so she is telling them before they go to bed, right? Like, oh, this place gives us off massive werewolf vibes. We got to be really safe. And in the night, she's keeping watch and she's super aware. Yeah, we know that they're not going to listen to. They're going to be like, oh, you're just being over paranoid and all this other like horse shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they're just like doing wacky slapstick stuff, you know, like smacking each other in the face, you know, classic Jake and Wilhelm. (laughs) and then in the night the wolves they underestimate her experience right because she's not the famous one in the group and the and she actually gets a scent of werewolf on the wind the smell right (laughs) which they don't anticipate a person to be able to get and so she's like oh guys we gotta go now so in a very comedic runaway chase scene where They're being chased by werewolves, you know, Wilhelm is, like, running through the woods, he pushes a tree branch out of his way, and as he releases it, it snaps back and hits a wolf in the snout, you know, stuff (laughs) like that. Yeah, perfect. You know, wacky antics where they're running away and they accidentally, Jake and Wilhelm, run face first into each other. And they get worried that they've been attacked by a wolf, so they're screaming on the ground, even though there's nothing there. Now, like at, w- <laughs> at what point during this chase do they run over a incline and go tumbling down a hill, like com- uh, uh, going in between, like starting off running and then falling and becoming a twirling ball of bodies flailing? Oh, you know, they fall down that incline and that's how they get away. That saves them, surely. Yes. They fall, they tumble down. And they're like, oh, a mine shaft. We can hide in there. And then the wolves are outside and it's like a silver mine. And they're like, oh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, like, oh. and so they get away. Right. And uh, the three investigators are safe. No, no, hold on. So that means at some point that the wolves are like outside circling. And then one of them has to say they can't stay in there forever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah, and so they get away, and then uh, the uh, the brothers and their friend, they get back to the big city, right? Like, we're going to have to call in the big guns for this one, right? And they uh, they get two more associates, and this is just, you know, this might be a little crazy, this part. Yeah. But they get Beeman and Felsen. 
Oh, oh no. no. I mean, oh yes. Two more supernatural hunters, right? Yeah. So this Wait must be a, so this must be a prequel. Because yes. Beeman, because Beeman and Felson, uh, as I'm sure you know, the main characters from Season of the Witch, Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman. Why does it have to be a prequel? Because they're both dead at the end of Season of the Witch. No, you think they're both dead. Oh, but they were killed by unholy creatures, and as we've discussed, this Red Riding Hood film exists on a different plane of existence than Earth. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's like another version of them in a, in a, in the multiverse. <laughs> Their souls have been sent to this strange, this strange Carpathian otherworldly forest, right? Exactly. <laughs> and nice. so they've been here as experienced supernatural fighters, right? Yeah. And they've made a name for themselves as well. They fought witches and demons. And so the brothers Grimm are like, hey, you gotta help us with this town, right? So it's Beeman, Felsen, Jake Wilhelm, their huntress friend, against Valerie, Henry, Cesar, and Peter as their werewolves. And the the rest of their pack, too, because there's going to be more members of the pack. Yes, and hopefully their like... grandma, who is a witch in this one. Exactly. She she in this one she actually uh teams up with the werewolf pack. She's an ally. Since we rewrote the mo previous movie, she doesn't die. She has to not die. Um I nah. want I want to throw a monkey wrench into this idea. Not um, a wolf wrench? Or just a um, wolf wrench. Or just another element to the plot to help make it really pop. So this is what's happening on the side of the adversaries of the werewolf pack in the sequel but there's trouble within the pack too i'm seeing in the sequel valerie and peter are getting tired of listening to her father all the time oh that tracks with the whole teen movie thing they want to take over as the co-leaders of the pack and they want to be able to call all the shots also maybe they've suffered some losses under their new adversaries like some of the weaker members of the pack have been caught or killed i mean we know how effective those brothers grim are <laughs> well uh felson and beeman are probably oh yeah they're but... they're dropping wolves left and right this is why they needed their help because they're more effective at the whole combat they're lethal yes so they start taking some losses the werewolf pack and so they question Cesar's leadership at this point, and they face off against him and they challenge him. And we get a scene where they have a fight in wolf form, and both Valerie and Peter challenge Cesar to a wolf duel. <laughs> and so it's basically a fight to the death to be the new leader of the pack. Ooh, brutal. Uh, as is the werewolf way. Yes. I'm stealing some of these ideas from um, Bitten, I gotta admit. But um, I think a lot of people in Hollywood borrow ideas from each other, so I'm fine with it. I don't see, I've never seen any evidence of that. <laughs> oh, dude, maybe that could happen after Valerie finds out that Cesar has taken favoritism with Lucy. The other sister. Yes. And it's like, you know, 
she's not my bloodline daughter, but you know, since I actually kind of re, uh, you know, adopted her, she's slowly become the favorite and played for more favor than Valerie, who's been the rebellious child. And so perhaps he's like, oh, Valerie, I'm going to have Lucy take over the pack when I'm gone <laughs> and not you. Even though oh. by birth it should be you, I'm gonna give it to Valerie. Uh, no, I'm gonna give it to Lucy instead. Right, and so that's just yeah, the straw that broke the werewolf's back, yes. and Ouch. that's that's when they really decide to challenge him openly. Well, if they have a broken back, it's a good thing that werewolves have regeneration. <laughs> yeah. So they end up defeating Cesar together during this fight. And right before Peter's going to strike the killing blow, Valerie feels remorse and she doesn't want to actually kill her father. So she gets Peter to stop and she tells her father to get out of town. Just like that? (laughs) And to like go into exile. And so he escapes uh, with his life. You're just trying to set it up so we have room for a Cesar spinoff. Exactly. And... Potentially to come back as a villain later on. Oh, dude. I was thinking Cesar actually does a little flippy dippy, right? Where he realizes kind of how bad being a werewolf can make you. Because his own family kind of turned on him. And he didn't think what he was doing was that bad, right? If you if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Yes. And he's like, oh, dude, maybe it was wrong for me to turn all those kids into monsters. <laughs> no no maybe that can't that possibly bad. be right maybe that was bad and yeah. so maybe one of the things he considers is going to the brothers grim right team grim let's call them yes yes well they have a squad now grim squad grim squad i yeah. like it yeah i was gonna say but beeman and felson could be team cage because they put all the monsters in cages Right. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I just figured they were hired on by the Grim, but there could be a Grim squad in the in the team cage, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh yeah, so maybe the father while he's out in the woods wounded and regretful, maybe one of the things he considers is teaming up with the you know, with Team Grim to like save his pack. Before they turn to bat- worse, worse morals. Be- before they start okay. doing things worse than eating people. Well, yeah, I mean, they, it was tribute, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was justified. That's just the way things were back then. It's true. Nice. All right, well, I think we've got a pretty solid foundation to go off of. So how do you guys feel about wrapping things up? Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think this is a really solid rewrite with the sequel. So we've got this perfect sequel planned out. So now we have to come up with the last component to really bring this to life. What is the name of this movie? Obviously, Red Riding Hood 2 colon what? Wolf Rave. (laughs) blood riding hood (laughs) blood moon is actually a pretty good one though yeah yes 
I, I like Red Riding Hood, Blood Moon Rising. Oh. Blood Moon Rising. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Get, oh, but then we have to get like Credence Clearwater water, to do Bad <laughs> Moon Rising for the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Season of the Grim Moon. <laughs> kind of a meta thing going there. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of feeling Red Riding Hood 2 colon Blood Moon Rising. I think yeah. that might be my favorite. Yeah, that's nice. a good one, actually. Awesome. All right, perfect. Well, that will do it for this mini episode. We hope you enjoyed yourself on this wild ride. Make sure to check it out on social media at Swords and Satire. Head on over to Patreon. And if you want some awesome bonus content, maybe think about throwing us a few bucks a month. Yeah, thanks, guys. We would really appreciate it. But we also just want to thank you for listening and want to remind you to let your friends know about us. Yeah, if you're having a hard time financially and you can't help us out right now, we totally understand. That's just the way of the world. But the best thing you can possibly do is to tell everyone you know about Swords and Satire. So until next time, we love you. We love you. We love you.